Hola! That is Spanish for hello, and is about the sum total of my level of Spanish, because I didn't learn Spanish in college, I learned history, so welcome along to the Historically Speaking podcast. That was almost a segue. It was, it was close. You, you tried, man. You tried. I tried. I tried my best. Don't blame me, I've been on vacation. Uh, yes, welcome along to a somewhat reduced Historically Speaking podcast. My name is Jack Whelan, and I am here with my good friend, the Queen of White People, Miss Kelsey Lang. Hello. I was kind of wondering if you were going to call me the Queen of White People, since I'm the only other person here, but um, I, that does not mean that my queendom is uh, disintegrated. It does not. It does not diminish your royal heritage. No, because it does that not. is that is an office eternal. I mean, because can't you be like a government and like exile? Yes, you can. Yeah, because isn't that numerous what times Taiwan in history that has been the case? Is? <laughs> or France was during World War Two. Yeah. Unless you count that part of France that was all collaboratory. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, well, the point is, is is not able to join us this week, so we're going to go ahead and just kind of kind of do, do our historical thing, because historically speaking is that podcast that you know and love, the one that talks about all the weird shit, the funny shit, and the bizarre shit that happens in history that you probably didn't know about because your high school history teacher never taught you about it. Because yep. high school history is really fucking boring it compared really to what actual history is. is. Like, it is, isn't it? Like, in fourth grade, which is not high school, I realize, but just to give you, <laughs> like, how much we just don't really uh, like to talk about cool things in history, I spent a whole year learning about Indiana history. Ooh! Yeah! Oh, boy! Yeah! And then I wrote a book called Bullet the Springer Spaniel. It was all about this Springer Spaniel who had to be in, like, one of those, like... Pilgrim mobiles. Pilgrim mobiles. <laughs> covered, covered wagons. Covered there wagons. Go. There we go. <laughs> I didn't know what they were called, so I pilgrim pope mobile. Um, well, but... to be honest, to be honest, if it's if like they don't get instantly renamed pilgrim mobiles, then <laughs> that is a terrible, terrible waste of the potential that they have it's true but yeah this dog uh went with sorry but like to... it's just, who who wants who wants to be like hey kids we're gonna go across the land we're gonna go all the way across the united states and guess what we're gonna do it in a covered wagon Again. those kids are not gonna enjoy that trip those kids yeah, are just not I mean, they, they the... are going to complain constantly they're gonna bitch they're gonna moan and at some point you're gonna go back to i don't know utica or wherever the hell you're from but if you say to those kids, hey, kids, we're going to go cross country in a pilgrim mobile. And then they'll be like, fuck, yes. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. If you don't call it a pilgrim mobile, then you just have another Dover party on your hands. I mean, my favorite part of this is the fact that the settlers who go across the United States in covered wagons were not even pilgrims, unless you count the Mormons. <laughs> they were. I don't know like, why I called them pilgrims. This this is a lovely little microcosm of what the effects of how totally <laughs> fucked up the American historical education system is. I don't know. I just I couldn't think of anybody else in bonnets, and I always saw in fourth grade they always had bonnets on. I mean, bonnets are, you know, like they're they're a thing unto themselves. They are. I mean, I'm certainly happy I don't have to wear one. Yeah, me too. Because that just seems really hard to maintain. It's like 
Like, could you imagine trying to pack one of those? Like, ball caps and hats in general are bad enough. Packing a bonnet? That'd be the worst. Packing a bonnet is probably the absolute worst. Probably is. I mean, I... It, well, it was just you know, the other week we discussed packing a comet into a suitcase. That That is true, but I think it would be harder to pack a bonnet into one than a comet. Okay, well, you heard it here <laughs> for... You're, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, bonnets are more difficult to pack into suitcases than comets. It's true. Yeah, that that should uh, that's that's a, a comet that should be the title of our book. Shape. Yeah, a comet will not change its shape if you put it into a suitcase. A bonnet's gonna be fucked. That is true. Yeah, a bonnet is gonna be absolutely destroyed. Yeah. No, I mean, is, are golf balls destroyed when you put them into suitcases? No. I mean, I've certainly never put a golf ball into a suitcase, but, I mean, just from the fact of what golf balls are, what suitcases are, I can, you know, make the educated guess that they don't get screwed up in a suitcase. Also, so. you don't actually golf. No. Although you uh, are white, I, I was, so... I, I did get golfing lessons when I was also in fourth grade, though. See? I just brought it all the way back. What did you go to white people elementary school? <laughs> As the queen of white people, I had to. <laughs> it was part of her education. <laughs> I actually, I, I might as well have. Like, I, I actually, like, I think I mostly went to school with white children. <laughs> it was, well, it was very disgusting. What was it, Indiana? Yes. <laughs> oh, lo and behold, what a surprise! Well, Indiana, as long as you're in, like, a cultural center, which, I mean, I use that term very loosely, then you have a lot more... Isn't... Sorry, sorry, but isn't, like, Indiana culture a bit of an oxymoron? Boom! That's what I I pretty much just said. Yeah, I'm using that term very liberally. Take that, the state of Indiana. (laughs) Indiana's not a good place. Don't go there. Okay. Well, on that note, we've uh, we've managed to vamp enough, so we should actually probably talk about actual history. Yeah. Oh, I did talk about actual history. It's just the history of my life. Just and also the history of Indiana, which no one cares about. No. Sorry, Indiana. It's true. Boom. No one cares. Okay, Kelsey, I have a question for you. Sure. How would you turn a house into the most famous house in London? Um. I would so, make I mean, it I, haunted. Okay. Okay. How would uh, how would you go about making it haunted though? Like well, a series of spectacular murders, an equally spectacular suicide. Yeah, probably. Or I mean, I guess you could just like put like one of those really really old grandmothers that you're actually not sure whether they're a ghost or alive still, and just put her in a corner. And what, just have her cackle every now and again? Uh, yeah, or, or say whatever she's going to say. I mean, that will probably work, too. I think there's pr- there, at the time there was probably a whole lot of houses in London that, London that did have that. So I think you might be up against some stiff competition. Yeah, so that's true. What else could you possibly do to make a house the most famous house in London? Well, I mean, those murders and that suicide sounded pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, always go with the good old, good old murders. Or good yeah, old suicides. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, people in London always like their demon dogs, too. I guess they could have gotten some of those. Yeah, the Brits do have a bit of an odd fascination with, like, giant demon hounds. Yeah. And weird, like, creatures that should show up where they aren't. Yeah. I mean, I could also just that. get some, uh, I don't know, some werewolves, some vampires. Some werewolves and vampires? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
Well, it turns out the answer is actually none of those things. Oh. Uh, nor mm-hmm. is it actually also marry the Queen, which would actually instantly make your house the most famous house in London by default. Eh. So, I mean, that would be the smart answer. Yeah, well... You didn't ask for smart answers, you just asked for my answer. Oh! Uh, oh! There we go. go. What is it shot. called when you shit on yourself? Uh, self-deprecation. There we go. Boom! Uh, the actual answer was uh, something a little bit easier, but at the same time, very grand in scope. So, okay. the year is 1809. Okay. It, well... Or, by some so accounts, depending... this was depending, before Jack the Ripper. This is. Uh, some accounts actually differ. The year, di- the year differs depending on what account you listen to between uh, 1809 and 1810. So, okay. we're going to say 1809 for the, just the sake of, sake of ease. I thought um, you were going to say it was going to be like 1809 and 1815. I'm like, somebody needs to get their facts straight. Somebody needs to do their fucking job right and remember <laughs> shit correctly. So, in 1809... A young man, at the time unknown, made a bet to his friend, at the time also unknown. He said, I will lay you a guinea, which is, I will bet you a guinea, basically, uh, that I can make that one house, and then singled out a house, the most famous house in all of London. Seriously? This is how it started? This is how it started. What is this, a movie? Um, well, it would be. I'm actually giving the sort of the, like the, a bit of the movie rendition because it, how it actually played out was that no one knew any of this beforehand, which kind of made it all the more delicious. Yeah. So, well, well, this sounds like a Disney movie, like in particular, actually, like what, one the of house? those live action Disney movies. Oh, you mean the ones that all fucking suck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the ones on um, on um, the Disney Channel that kind of want to be like How I Bought a Zoo. Or whatever mm-hmm. the hell that movie was. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like one of those. But go on. Anyway, the bet had been laid. So London, London at the start of the 1800s was both the largest city in the world and also the wealthiest. Um, and was just starting to move into the cusp of the Industrial Revolution. So goods from all over the empire were flooding into it. Goods from other parts of England, manufacturing cities like Liverpool and Manchester and... Birmingham and Newcastle and other lists of British cities uh, were feeding the growth of this gigantic place. Pretty much anything you wanted to buy that was available in the known world at the time was able to buy, was able to be purchased in London shops. Okay. It was on that day, that one specific day in 1809 or 1810, that a house on 54 Berners Street the home of one Mrs. Tottenham uh, actually ended up becoming the most famous house in London thanks to the actions of this one man. Okay. Because the start, at the start of the day, a few tradesmen started to show up simultaneously. And they were there to make some deliveries, including coal, whatever, uh, coal, from, coal from down in Paddington, mm-hmm. um... This is according to the London Annual Register for the year 1810. The deliveries included uh, wagons laden with coal from Paddington Wharfs, upholsterers' carts, uh, upholsterers' goods in cartloads, organs, pianos, harps, linen, jewelry, and pretty much every other kind of good available that needed to be delivered by cart. Uh, 
Okay. Um, multiple organs, multiple pianos, multiple yep. harps. Yep. And harpsichords, and clothes, and linens, and bed sheets, and coal. This this is a um a city planner's worst nightmare. Oh, you have no idea. So all of these were starting to show up to the very confused door of Mrs. Tottenham, all of whom, the servants of whom, were turning these tradesmen away or attempting to, because um, they didn't actually order any of this thing. Um, Mrs. Tottenham herself, though, was a very wealthy lady, uh, and was known in the newspapers as a woman of fortune, which is not the same as a soldier of fortune. She was not, in fact, a mercenary. She was just a very wealthy lady. It would have been a bit cooler if she had been a mercenary, but she was not, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, who knows? I mean, she could have been. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, Could have been a mercenary at the slots. That's that's true. That's true. So, this this all started at 5 a.m., by the way. Okay. 5 a.m. Then a chimney sweep arrived, followed by 12 more chimney sweeps in quick succession. Then more furniture, then another coal delivery. So already the street is starting to get pretty goddamn clogged with stuff. Uh, this was then followed by uh, several wedding cakes, because you know she was clearly going to be married. Several wedding cakes, and then several chefs attempting to deliver two thousand five hundred raspberry tarts. That's a lot of tarts. But hey, I mean, this might have been bad for our woman of fortune, but if anything, this was a great advertisement for delivery in London. It, uh, People yeah. get your shit to you. They will get your shit to you, although admittedly, um, Burner Street is just off Oxford Street, which is uh, pretty central and also pretty goddamn wealthy. So Don't bring facts into this. I'm bringing facts into history? <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, what it was actually has been recorded, though, is that in addition to the 2,500 raspberry tarts, there were then doctors, all at the same time, lawyers, gardeners, dentists, couchmakers, fishmongers, priests, carpet manufacturers, curiosity dealers, opticians, brewers, shoemakers, wig makers, and finally, couchmakers. You know what impresses me the most about this? What? There was no such thing as a phone book back then. Nope. Because if there were, I would be like, okay, he just started to A and went all the way to Z. But, I mean, there was no way for him to do that. I mean, he must have done that with streets. Just like, all right, I guess I'm just going to knock on this door, knock on that door, knock on this door, this door, that door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's getting more and more out of control because not only do a lot of the larger things have carts, but all of these men are showing up with very large and very official-looking writs of sale, saying that they had they were arriving for their appointed time. What are these other people doing? Why am I here? You're wasting my time. I demand some money for this. And the servants and Mrs. Tottenham herself are losing their goddamn minds because they're being overwhelmed <laughs> by cakes and doctors and lawyers and carpets and couches and clocks and haberdashers and fucking everything that you could possibly imagine that is on sale in this city. Um... At this point, the police have actually been called because not only are there a lot of very, very angry people around, 
The traffic has become an absolute goddamn fucking nightmare. Of course the police come last. <laughs> the police come last because there's also a crowd of laughing and very unruly spectators who are, like, drinking and observing this. As um, they should be. As they, as they should be, because, like, what else are you going to do when something like this happens? I so don't that, know. Yeah, exactly. Um, at one stage, at one stage, a fully-sized pipe organ meant for a church was uh, followed a dozen grand pianos um, and was carried by, quote, six stout men. I, I'm, who, I'm impressed that it only takes six men. Yeah, I know, right? Do you think that a fully-sized organ would actually carry, like, a whole lot more than that? Yeah, you know what you would think, like, a full-size organ would have to be on? You know those, like, if you go into, like, one of those warehouse stores, like, like uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that, and they have those, um, those carts that, like, aren't, like, a shopping cart, but, like, a flatbed? Mm-hmm. I just imagine one of those, but, like, large enough for an organ just being pulled through a street by a bunch of horses. And just trying to get through this street, because remember, it is full of carts of very pissed-off salespeople. How, how in the world did they manage to get it through all those people or not be like, okay, something is wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They just they, they managed to. The best part about this is, The best part about this is, though, that over the course of the day, she also received guests from quite a lot of very important people. Uh, the Lord Chief Justice... Uh, the chairman of the East India Company, the Archbishop of Canterbury, several members of Parliament, and the Governor of the Bank of England all paid visits to her, having had appointments for them arranged. I don't know if that's impressive that the man who set this all up was able to get in contact with them, or impressive that those people, like, that she was renowned enough that those people would actually take those appointments. Yeah, right. She was clearly yeah. well. I mean, she was she was clearly not someone whose society you would turn down, uh, because even the Duke of Gloucester, who was the uh, at the time the nephew of King George the Third, showed up. Um, the Lord Mayor of London attempted to access the street, but found it so utterly impassable that his carriage was turned around. Like the only smart carriage owner of like the entire day. <laughs> Well, at least he got his job somehow. Uh, it was actually every single available policeman in London was called to attempt to clear the total disarray and chaos that central London had been plunged into by this uh, by this incident. <gasps> and that's how they started the heist! <laughs> they didn't do a heist? I'm afraid it was not actually a heist. Uh, because while Mrs. Tottenham spent the entire time, wringing her hair, pulling it out, and desperately trying to contain the absolute chaos that uh, was unfolding around her. The whole thing was being watched by the perpetrator of the hoax, uh, one Mr. Thomas... Sorry, Theodore Hook. Theodore Hook. Theodore Hook. A... Haha, and this was his master Hook. Uh... Oh... Theodore Hook, or London's biggest asshole, uh, was a um, writer of comic book o- comic operas. Almost comic book operas. Oh, that'd be cool. That I'd would watch be that. really cool. Yeah. Um, he was a writer of comic bo- comic operas. He was twenty one years old. 
and had actually made a bet with his friend, the architect Simon Beasley, uh, that he could, as I stated at the top, turn the house into the most famous house in London, which it was for the day. Because everyone... Because everybody was there. <laughs> everybody was there. Everyone knew about what the fuck was happening over on Berners Street. Um, and... Beasley and Hook had actually taken rooms just across from Mrs. Tottenham's house. Uh, they spent hmm? really, yeah. They they had taken they had taken rooms in a in a house opposite it and were watching the entire thing unfold and drinking for the whole day. So As, so since he made a bet, what did what did the other guy have to pay him? A or single like guinea. Give him a single oh, yeah, guinea. guinea. That's right. That's right. It's rather kind of amazing that it just got turned into that. Yeah, uh, but it's not amazing because, I mean, they had the perfect opportunity to perform a heist, and they didn't because there was no police. Well, the point wasn't a heist. Uh, depending on what, uh, on what, um, excuse, on what uh, account you listen to, uh, Mrs. Tottenham had uh, insulted or slighted or done something to... Um, anger hook or at least piss oh. him off mm-hmm. so this was a revenge bet it was a revenge practical joke because that is ultimately how hook chose to describe it a giant practical joke yeah that that that, that definitely is a practical joke it's just on a very very mass scale mm-hmm yeah, no, it was one of the, it was one it's one of the largest practical jokes in history, at least in terms of scale and the sheer effect that it had, because it paralyzed almost the entire inner city of London for a whole day. And night as well. Most of the carriages were not actually cleared until the small hours of the morning. <laughs> I mean I wonder how much horseshit was on that street afterwards. I wonder that too, because that was a lot of horses and they would have been very angry. Yeah, they would have been really packed in. There had been a lot of people yelling, a lot of people trying to move stuff that probably hit the horses. Nobody died. No, nobody died. There were there oh. were no deaths, thank God. I mean, that's good, but I'm surprised. Yeah, I know, I am too, considering just the sheer amount of people who are there and that someone didn't get trampled or run over or something or other. Well, I mean, at the same time, though, that nobody really had any room to trample anybody. Like, even a horse didn't really have room to even rear up, really, after a bit. Pretty much, and that would create some pretty goddamn antsy horses. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if those horses were ever able to work again. They're probably just like, nope, I'm done. I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks. This is over. <laughs> I in need to same... go back to the pastures of Yorkshire. In the same, in the same way that... Uh, the pranksters on the HMS Dreadnought about a hundred years later, I, I I can't help but admire his dedication because to win this wager, like, he had to write handwritten notes to every one of these. Of these. Some estimates put it at him spending six weeks or one week, depending, uh, writing 4,000 individual handwritten letters and invitations as well as mail orders and responses to advertisements, just so that he could get all these people to arrive at the same time. 
And, you know, I think the most surprising thing to me is, like, I understand that, like, for a lot of these orders, you wouldn't really use a seal. I mean, since she wasn't, you know, necessarily a, like, noble class or anything. But it's surprising she would have had some sort of seal or signature or something for these, like, delegates to, like, be like, oh, this is, this is real. Okay. Well, I mean, she was just, she was a lady of high society. And a lady of means, it didn't necessarily mean that she wouldn't. Necess- she'd have her own like crest or something. Like she wasn't. She wasn't a dignitary. Yeah. She wasn't some sort of luminary. She wasn't like an archbishop or a governor of the Bank of England or the Lord Mayor. So she right. didn't really have any sort of signifier beyond her purported signature. And everyone wrote letters in those days, so keeping track of someone's signature might not have been the, the easiest thing to do. Yeah, that's true. Here's another question. Mm-hmm. I wonder if anybody ever delivered to her again. Right? I, I, that that's hilarious. I want it. That's hilarious. Like the idea, the idea. Oh God, I can just imagine her going insane trying to get like her servants probably had to run themselves ragged doing errands because no one is going to deliver to Bernard Street again just in case. Yeah. Just in case it happened again, they would have been like, nope, listen, uh, Burner, Burner Street is now outside of our radius for delivery. But it's right your, next door. We don't no care. Longer uh, the public. Like all the, the pizza places that wanted delivered to my house when I was younger because they were like, you're outside our radius. And I was like, I just oh man, I know that. I know, I know what that door. was like. I know what that was like. And even then, when the radius did expand, like, every single time I got pizza delivered, I had to, like, take a call from the pizza guy to be like, uh, so where are you? And I'm like, well, which direction are you coming from? Well, okay, you need to take right, left, right, go up, down, then side to side, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. And they'd eventually get there, and I'd have my pizza, and it'd be cold. Yeah. Now I live in a city. I just need a pizza. Hmm? You should have just been like, well, it took too long to deliver the pizza. Money back. Yep. Um, although the delivery men themselves didn't exactly escape unscathed, there was quite the public outcry for someone to be tracked down about this because, um, as one source noted, the tangible material damage done was itself no laughing matter. There had been an awful smashing of glass, china, harpsichord, and coach panels, amongst many others. Many a horse fell, never to rise again. Beer barrels and wine barrels had been overturned and exhausted with impunity amidst the press of countless multitudes. It had been a fine field day for the pickpockets. There arose a fervent hue and cry for detection of the wholesale deceiver and destroyer. That, uh, well, that explains some of the horses. Yep. The poor horses. Turns out some of them actually did die. Because yeah, so, so there were casualties, Jack. There were cas- I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you just obviously do not care about the rights of horses. <laughs> I you clearly don't. You need to get don't. it with the times. It's 2016. Um, the funny thing about this is, though, that like, Hook not only laid low at home, but decided to... Uh, leave London two weeks later for a short trip around England. He was never actually prosecuted for this because no one could actually prove his involvement. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess in like 1809 or 1810 they didn't, probably didn't have like people that could do like uh, handwriting analysis or nope. anything like that and probably a lot of these people also like just threw away the letter once like, okay, it's in the planner. Yep, we've got it in the ledger. Such and yeah, such to Mrs. Tottenham. Yeah. He did actually um 
in his later work, Gilbert Gurney, uh, he included a character by the name of Dre, who said the following, which is basically a semi-autobiographical comment on the hoax itself. There's nothing like fun. What else made the effect in Bernard Street? I am the man. I did it. I sent the Lord Mayor in state to release impressed seamen, philosophers, and sages to look at children with two heads apiece, piano fortes by dozens, and coal wagons by scores, 2,500 raspberry tarts from half a hundred pastry cooks, a squad of surgeons, a battalion of physicians, and a, physicians, and a legion of apothecaries. Gigs, dog carts, and glass coaches, enough to convey half the freeholders of Middlesex to Brentford. Nay, I dispatched even royalty itself, that was a reference to the Duke of Gloucester, uh, on an errand to a respectable widow lady whose concourse of visitors, by my special invitation, choked up the great avenues of London and found employment for half the police in the metropolis. So, he wasn't exactly sorry. That That's a definite omission of guilt. Yep. <laughs> Yep. But of course it's in a fictional setting, so I It's mean, in a fictional setting, so it can't actually be taken. Yep. So no yeah. no no criminal charges. That's good on him. Yeah, I mean kind of fair play. Yeah, fair play. I mean he has to live with the fact that he killed some horses, but I mean <laughs> I don't think know. that really weighed too heavily on his mind. Do you think he laughed at them as they died? He like him and his friend were like, you know, like five whiskeys in and just like ha 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 look another one just went down I think him and his friends were probably more along the lines of going oh shit dude dude oh shit it's so dude this is so fucking I'm gonna be in so much dude you're gonna be in so much show I know dude like (laughs) I don't know for some reason picturing these two effete British gentlemen as like I don't know, Aston Kutcher and Sean William Scott is just far more appealing. (laughs) So yeah, there you have it. That is how, turns out, all you have to do to uh, turn a house into the most famous house in London is grind the capital city to a halt with a spectacular inundation of deliveries. I wonder if you could do that in the modern day or not. I don't know. I mean, cert- certainly there would be a ho- a problem with, like, clogging up streets with fucking cars and delivery vans. So I'd say it's possible. The hoax has actually been a- attempted a few more times, but never to the same level of success. I don't know how recently the last one was, though. Yeah, to be fair, though, a lot of service vehicles now are, are though, like, well, we've given you a window from one to six. And then they show up at seven. So I don't know if you could really get anybody at a place at a certain time. No. Uh, oh, yes, exactly. God, could you imagine? Like, huh, I'm, I'm going to call, like, I'm going to call so many Comcast uh, fucking internet inspectors to this guy's house. Huh, they're going to arrive at the same time. Nope. Those guys are going to arrive at some point in the solar month when they goddamn yeah, feel yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them is going to... um come back like five years later just as you're like you know taking out one of your family members you know from her casket to like go to the you know the the burial site he's gonna be like hey i'm finally here and you're gonna be like well she's dead well she's dead i'm actually uh one of the things that got sent to uh burner street was in fact a coffin Oh, that's good. Did he think that maybe she was going to die of fright? I think it was a, bit, a little bit on the nose considering she was a widower. 
a widow. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, but she probably could have died of just sheer insanity. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine though? Like, I mean, she could have had a heart attack. I mean, I I would probably have had a heart attack myself, but I'm a, a fairly uh, healthy twenty four year old. You're a, f- a f- fairly a fairly healthy 24-year-old. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that's the Burner Street hoax. So that's yeah. what that that is again how you turn a single house into the most famous house in the city. Uh, yeah. So this has been our little reduced episode of Historically Speaking. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoy reading about pranks because pranksters tend to be assholes, but assholes also tend to do funny stuff. Um, yes. If you want to find more of our stuff you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash historically speaking podcast. All of our stuff is there. We've got an RSS feed. You can plug that into your phone. You can search us on your podcast app, whatever you use. And we will be available every time we upload a new episode on your phone, on your device, on your iPod, whatever the hell you use. Um, You can also check us out on Facebook because we're obviously there. And I am on Twitter at Dr. Tenacity. Kelsey is... Uh, I am Tokes the Dopes. That's T O K E S, the D O K E S. Awesome. And Isa is the underscore Isa, I believe. As yay. Yes, and hopefully he will be with us next week. Hopefully. So we can talk about other things. Yep, hopefully indeed. Uh, yeah, but until then, please give us some likes, give us some reviews, give us some scores. It's so easy, and it doesn't take and, a lot of your time. Don't do this at home, children. No, do do this at home. <laughs> Do all your reviews at home or on the bus or whatever else. We're, we're not your, your oh, parents. Oh, well, I wasn't talking about reviews. I was talking about calling every single delivery company in oh, London. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't, up don't do that at home. That's, yeah, that's, don't do uh, that. It makes you the biggest asshole in London. Yeah, yeah. See, we added a disclaimer, so now we cannot be, um, we cannot be persecuted yep. for giving yep. the idea. Yep, good. Yeah. Okay, well, we so better way in case it. people actually do get these ideas. So, see you next time. Yeah, exactly. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Three, two, one.